Well, I'm Lisa and I'm an introvert. I just want to get that out of there right out the beginning. But how good was 2020 for introverts? I mean, COVID isolation. We literally had superpowers last year, the introverts. I've got a few memes. Actually, before I like get into my jokes, thank you, band. The worship was off the chart tonight. It was incredible. Yeah, you can keep that up, Scott. I mean, we had dining like this last year. What a dream. It was amazing. And then we had um, some people, the next one, thanks, Scott, realizing that their just general lifestyle was actually quarantine. So good. We were literally heroes last year, flattening the curve, beating COVID, beating a pandemic. But I wanna tell you that this is more what my life looked like. My life, my house was a prison. I was stuck. (laughs) I was locked away with an extroverted husband and three extrovert children with no space or quiet anywhere. It was, anyway, it was great. But really, jokes aside, what the the world actually learned last year was that isolation was like terrible. It was awful. It wasn't good for anyone. Even for us solitude-loving introverts, the rates of depression and anxiety began to soar. And, you know, they started collecting data. And if you were between 16 and 39, um, the rates of moderate to severe depression tripled last year during those hard lockdowns. And more people were ringing up all the hotlines and just thinking, contemplating suicide. We know that support systems are important, but the whole world learned that they're even more important when everything is falling apart. You see, we need each other more than ever before. And the antidote to that isolation is connection and community. Okay, and the thing is, is that connection has actually been on God's heart from the very beginning. In Genesis 2:18, God says, it's not good for man to be alone. Uh, at that point, he was talking about Adam. And the funny thing is, from the outside, it looked like Adam had it all. Here he was, living in the most beautiful surrounds. He was living in Eden, in paradise. Uh, He walked, he had this just close, intimate relationship with God. God would speak directly to him. The picture of him just walking in the garden with God. I mean, hello, amazing. And he was living with purpose. At that point, he was naming all the animals and and all the birds. I mean, talk about a significant job, far out. I don't think, anyway. And, you know, and God still said his life was wanting. It wasn't good for him to be alone. And, you know, COVID isolation aside, we can try and fill our lives with the same things. We can try and chase after paradise and surround ourselves with, you know, nice houses and 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 cars and things like that. We can chase down career and pursue that purpose. Look, and and neither of those things are bad. But as the saying goes, if you don't have anyone to share them with, they're no good at all. You know, maybe you're a bit holier than that and you think, oh, I don't need shiny things or a high-powered career. I just need God. Just that close relationship with God. Sounds a bit like a Cody Khan's worship song. You know, nothing else, nothing else but you, Lord which I love, by the way, but God says it's not good. Crazy. And, you know, as disciples or Jesus followers, we are called 
to connection and community. The Bible actually gives us this great picture of what it looks like for us as disciples to be connected together in Christ. And 1 Peter 2 verse 4 says, As you come to him, the living stone, that is Jesus, who was rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, that's us, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Come on, what a cool picture. We are a holy house. When you join your life with Christ, he gives you new life. His spirit comes and lives on the inside of you. He, he makes you into one of those living stones. And you are immediately welcomed into the family and connected in. And as we keep coming to Jesus, just like that scripture says, he is building us into that holy house. In the spirit realm, we are a holy house. We're being knit together in love, Colossians says. And do you know what? Our connection together, you and I, is sacred. It's friendship, sure, but it's way more than fr friendship. It's way deeper. It's holy. And do you know the thing I love is that you don't need to get any special permits to get into this building. There's no hoops to jump through. There's no probation period. As soon as you join your life with Jesus... Boom, you're straight in. You're built in. And, you know, even as I'm saying that, you might think, oh, what is this joining your life with Jesus business? And, you know, later on in the service, we are gonna, we're going to have a moment where we pray about that. And see, the thing is, you can do your life by yourself. And, you know, it'll go well, but you can do life with Jesus. Join your life with him. And I want to tell you, the life he has in store for you is good. He wants to give you a new hope. He wants, to, oh, he wants to give you a future beyond what you can even imagine. So if you want to take hold of that life, it's as easy as a prayer. Now, I have a picture of a stone wall, and I want you to set your eyes upon it. And imagine that you're one of the stones right somewhere in the middle there. And I just want you to kind of see a few things here that you are surrounded in this wall by other people. You're surrounded by other living stones. You're built upon the people that came before you. How cool is that? In fact, all of us are being built upon Jesus. He was the very first stone that was laid, that stone in Zion that that scripture says. The Bible calls him the chief cornerstone. Everything we are building here is because of Jesus. How cool is that? There's a few other cool things that as new people are added in, new stones are added, the wall is strengthened. So it gets, it gets deeper and stronger. So the more people that come along, man, we get stronger. doesn't matter what kind of storm comes our way. It can't even move us. As new stones are added, we can reach higher. Think about it. What was once a, a small room or a small building becomes this big, magnificent building with greater reach, greater influence. Ah, oh, man, when we, when we get built together, we are unstoppable. Um, and the other thing I want, to see you, I want you to see here is that the stones are 
cemented in place by mortar. It's permanent. There ain't no getting out. <laughs> you don't see the stones just jumping out and, you know, going off by themselves or off to another building. No, you are built in. It's permanent. It's that mortar that is the substance that joins us together. And, and you know, I've seen firsthand mortar being made. I'm a bit of a, an expert. Saw my dad making some mortar in the backyard in his wheelbarrow. And there are two basic ingredients. There's water and the cement mix that you buy at Bunnings. That's it. Simple as that. <laughs> mix it up. You've got yourself some mortar. So it got me to thinking, what is that mortar? What are the two things that help bind us together? Um, and I want to say that the water is like our Sunday gathering. Hello, there nothing beats coming together, joining with one voice, worshiping together. We give together. We receive the word together. It's like living water. It's so refreshing. And then there's the cement mix, which is more like sand and grit. And that, I want to tell you that that is how we create Actually, sorry, I want to say the sand and the grit is the bulk of the mortar. And we create connection like that when we gather in groups. You see, when we gather together in small groups, we get into the nitty-gritty of life. We get into the small details. And this is where the real bulk and the strength of our connection is actually built. If we're going to be part of a strong spiritual powerhouse, we need both. We need the water and we need the cement mix. We need to gather on Sundays, and we need to gather together in groups. And I want to say, if you're a disciple here tonight, you are called to gather. All right. Now, I have pretty much grown up in church, and I've been to, you know, a few different groups. I have, I'm going to say, I love group. And I just I wanted to share tonight a few of my experiences and some of the things that you can expect to find when you go along to a group. The first one is destiny. You will find destiny. Now, I have this really fabulous picture I want to put up. Please don't laugh too much. How nice is that? This is from uh, when I was in youth group. Here we are chucking up the gang signs for Strathers. Does anyone know what Strathers is? The 619, that's the number you used to put in at the train station when you're buying a paper ticket, showing you how old I am. Long time ago. It was S for Strathpine. We're like, we're living the gang life there, the thug life. As you can tell, people in the 90s didn't actually look like they walked off a set of friends. It was, no, it wasn't that attractive. Anyway, it was S for Strathpine because we used to meet in my house on Wednesday nights. Um, I didn't run the group, but I helped to host it. And a few of us there, you can probably take that photo down, that's great. You know. <laughs> I'm being really vulnerable by sharing that, by the way. <laughs> I don't like it, anyway. Um, but we, a few of us were in the youth band together, and so we just used to have these incredible times of worship. Now, we didn't have a guitar or uh, even a Spotify playlist. We'd put our CD on, you know, you're in, you're, like, you're, you're, you're committed to that disc, anyway. And we would just... <laughs> We would get there and we would close our eyes, reach out our hands, and man, we would just wait on God together. And I want to tell you there in that living room, the fire of God would fall. It was incredible. This sense of destiny and purpose that came upon each of us there as we waited on God. 
And, you know, at the time, I didn't know what that destiny looked like, but I just knew deep inside that God was calling me, that I was set, as- I was set aside for him, that I was his and he was mine. And that call, man, it was so deep on the inside. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, and with those, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So now this sounds like a youth scripture, but this is actually for all of us. We're called to flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness together. Now, I can't tell you about everybody in that picture because there's one girl, Tina, and I don't know who, where she lives, but I can speak to everybody else. Everyone is still following Jesus. Everyone is still going to C3 Church, except for two people who are actually running their own churches. Um, it was like, man, there's some awesome people in that group. It's just, man, it's amazing. Genuine love in action. You'll find genuine love in action when you go to group. Romans 12, 9 verse 10 said, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Now, I want to say that I have been so blessed to go to a group at Pastor John and Danielle's house. And... They would have us in our homes every month for a potluck meal. If you don't know what that is, you, you, everybody brings their own dish. You put it on the table together and then you just get in and you, you share it and you have whatever you like. Now, Pastor Teresa would always bring a barbecue chicken. Like, not that that's a bad thing, but just saying there's always that barbecue chicken there. But the Bible actually talks about these, these uh, meals and it calls them love feasts. And do you know they're not just about sustenance or socialising, they're actually about fellowship, about sharing together, about communication. And I tell you, that's just what we would do. We'd get together, we'd share just our everyday to day stuff, our struggles, our wins, our, you know, what we we're believing for, what God was doing in our life. It was, it was amazing. It was a safe place to take off the mask. You know, often in church here, it's a, it's a quick, hey, how you going? Yeah, great. Ah, awesome. But I tell you, with a small group of people, you can let down your guard and be vulnerable. And, and when people, when they look after that vulnerability, like that, that's love. And that's, you're going to experience true love. I want to say on a side note that I didn't actually feel at home straight away. And it had nothing to do with Pastor John and Dan. Here I was in this group. I was a, a physio working in a hospital, going to this group, and there was Pastor Kathy and Brendan, and they were out saving all the children of the world. <laughs> Pastor John running a church, and I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Um, anyway, it was my own insecurity, but over time, over time, I was knitted in. I was bonded in by love. It was amazing. You're going to find people in group who want to lay down their lives for you. It's like you won't find it anywhere else, nowhere in the world. When disciples gather together, you'll find people that will walk through the highs and lows of life and lay down their life for you. 1 John 3.16 says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we ought also give up our lives for others, for our brothers and sisters. 
So it's not giving up your life for everyone. No, for each other. We're called to each other, not the world, to each other. Jesus said that people would know that we're his disciples by the way that we love each other. When I was about four months pregnant, um, I lost, my, my father died. And it was, a, it was a really difficult time, as you can imagine. I was just, you know, he'd never see his grandchild. It was, it was rough. I had a complicated relationship with him, so I was grieving and then also feeling guilty at the same time. And I want to tell you that my group rallied around me and supported me in ways that I just did not expect. They gave of their, their money. I want to tell you, my, my lounge room and my dining room, my table was just filled with flowers. I've never received so many flowers in my whole life. I couldn't fit them in. They gave of their time. I know they were praying for me. There were many phone calls and not the, not the quick, hey, yeah, cool, love you. Those phone calls that you're like, oh, I'm going to have to set some time aside for that. Better not do it right now. Like the, the good, proper phone calls. They gave, they gave up their time. You know, my leaders actually drove all the way to Brisbane and came to the funeral with me, which in the middle of the week, that man, and it meant more to me than I can even say. And it was, yeah, they were laying down their lives for me. Months later, I gave birth to my daughter, Avalyn, and the same group of people were back at it again. The man, meal after meal. You know, when I show up at church, just all bedraggled on a couple of hours of sleep. They'd come in and snatch my baby away and give me a rest. And it was just like having this extended family here. It was amazing. And, you know, I've been, caught, I, I've been able to do the same for others now. And I can tell you that it's not always easy. In fact, often when you're called upon is the most inconvenient time. There's that sense of pressure you know, back to that stone wall, imagine, you know, what it's like to be a stone and have <laughs> all those stones around you. There's a, a pressure with it, but oh, the reward is great. When you lay down your life for others, man, Jesus, is, he blesses you. And the last one that you find is, um, is growth. Um, when disciples gather together, we grow together. I want to say in this church that you are loved completely, and you're welcome straight into the family. But our, our vision is transformed lives, and, and that means that your life would be transformed, that my life would be transformed. I mean, we don't want to stay the way that we are. We want to keep growing every day more and more like Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I naturally want to take the path of, of least, least resistance, I mean, growing takes a lot of work, right? And when you gather, uh, when you gather with other disciples, it's like plugging in uh, into power and this power source that gives you energy to grow. Okay, James 1, 22 to 25. This is a long one, but it's a good one. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry, written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. 
but those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty, that's the word of God, are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and they are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. Amazing. About two years ago, or maybe one, depending on if we're counting 2020, I was a part, I hear they're not even counting it anymore. I was a part of uh, the anointed powerhouse, Marita Smith's group. It was a women's group, and it was, inc- it was amazing. I like, to be honest, I'd avoided women's groups up until that point. I'm not a super girly girl, but it was great. We did a course together uh, by John and Lisa Bevere that was um, called The Wilderness, and it was a study on the Israelites and how they journeyed through the wilderness and all the things that they did to prolong their journey there, you know, the whinging, the moaning. It was great. But together with the women in that group, we journeyed deeper in the Word. At the end of each group, Marita would challenge us not just to hear the Word, but to do it. And not just to do it. She was, she was going to chase us up. We had to be accountable for doing it. Far out. There were lots of different challenges, but there was one challenge in particular that I remember, and it was the old vision board challenge. Again, I've got to be like honesty time here that I have heard lots of messages about doing vision boards. I mean, I've been to a few women's conferences, and I'd never done a vision board. Um, And so, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this vision board. I mean, I had to do it because all the ladies were posting on this chat, chat all the beautiful photos of the amazing vision boards they were doing. It was that this is just the kind of pressure that I need, this social pressure. Um, So I went to work and I did this vision board with pictures and a scripture and some of the prophecies that I've had. And I want to tell you that it unlocked probably one of the greatest years of spiritual growth in my life. And, you know, that was not the only thing we did together. But I've got to tell you, doing the Word, it will change your life. I mean, we can just sit here and hear it, but you've got to do the Word. You can try and grow alone, and you will, but it will be slow going. But when you gather together with other disciples, man, supercharge your journey. You will grow. So just, you know, as we come to a close, I... When you gather together, you're going to find four things. You're going to find destiny. You're going to find real love in action. You're going to find people who will lay down their lives for you. And you're going to grow. And, you know, that's just the beginning of the list. There are so many other things that you'll find in group. You'll find freedom. You'll find healing. You'll be able able to express your ministry. You'll be able to discover your gifts. The list goes on and on. But as we come to a close tonight, I want to encourage you with one final scripture, and it's our, our scripture that is our memory verse for the week, Hebrews 10.25, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially as the day of his return is drawing near. Why is this in the Bible? It's because we do neglect the gathering, Right? Same as those do not fear scriptures. We do neglect. I just want to pray over you as we finish. And I want to just spend some time just waiting on the Holy Spirit. So would you close your eyes? You know, as I, um, I prepared 
for this message and prayed about it, I got the sense that there were some people here tonight that had maybe uh, retracted, withdrawn, withdrawn from life, withdrawn from connection with others. And I could just see the reason was that they had a, a wounded heart. Life is like a battlefield. And I, I don't know what you've been through. It might have been a marriage breakup. It might have been sickness. But I just see that your heart is wounded, a relationship breakdown. And I, I believe tonight that God is here. His Holy Spirit is here. And He wants to bring some healing into your heart tonight. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you that you are building us into a holy temple. God, you've brought us alive. I thank you that you are knitting us together, Father, into something great, Lord. I just pray now, God, let us not neglect the gathering together, Father. Let nothing come against it, God, right now. Not tiredness or weariness, Lord. Let nothing get in the way of that connection, that holy connection. I come against the enemy and every lie that he's tried to speak. To say that you're not welcome here. Nobody wants to hear you. Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. In the name of Jesus, those lies are broken here. Lord, let your truth be known. We pray, let your truth be known. God, we ask, you bond us together, God. So strong, unshakable, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.